0: Hello, and welcome to Unbabbled, a podcast that navigates the world of special education, communication delays, and learning differences. We are your hosts, Stephanie Landis and Meredith Kreml, and we are a certified speech and language pathologists who spend our days at the parish school in Houston, helping children find their voices and connect with the world around them. Meredith couldn't be here today, so this is Stephanie flying solo. Today, I'll be speaking with playworkers Allie Wood and Jill Wood. Allie has over 20 years of experience supporting children through play. She is co-manager of the Meridian Adventure Playground in the United Kingdom and co-author of the Reflective Playwork, an instructional guide for parents and playworkers that promotes the role of play in a child's life. Jill Wood is the head of the Adventure Playground at the Parish School in Houston, Texas, and founder of Bayou City Play, a series of temporary play installations that sprout up all over the Houston area. Allie and Jill will be telling us about each of their adventure playgrounds and sharing stories from their personal experiences. They'll also explain why they're so passionate about playwork and discuss the importance of play and risk taking in a child's development. Welcome. Today I'm excited to be joined by Allie Wood and Jill Wood. Allie Wood is a playworker and she's here in Houston for the camp that we're hosting here at uh, the parish school. So welcome, we're very excited to have you. Will you first just start off by giving just a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what you do? So a small, small little, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. about everything about you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, yes, I am a play worker, but I have
1: a lot of, the, that kind of is quite wide ranging in how yes. it's applied in practice. So I actually do um, co-manage an adventure playground in the middle of the country in England, in a very poor area, but I also write about playwork, I research, and uh, and over the years I have trained lots of other people in playwork and designed and delivered qualifications in playwork, etc. So it's all quite wide-ranging and um, a lot of fun.
0: It is. So we have been actively bringing the Adventure Playground and Playwork here into the parish School and Jill Wood. Our librarian and playworker also has been doing a lot of work within the Houston community but sadly it's not as well known in the US and in our area as it is overseas. Can you tell us a little bit about what Playwork is and your adventure playground?
1: Okay, Um, firstly I will say that the adventure playground here, if you don't know, come and see it. It's It's beautiful. It's really wonderful. It's a place where you can tell that children are really truly being themselves. Mm my playground is similar but different, but then all adventure playgrounds are unique and should be, um, because they reflect the children themselves that go to it. because the children help make them, build them, create them, do their stuff in them. Um, the one where I am, uh, it's in a very poor area, it's got quite a lot of big high structures, there's a lot of risk taking, we, <laughs> we have a big fire pit, oh. um, we cook... Uh, on the fire every day and we feed the children every day because most of them are hungry um, because many parents are out of work or, or whatever it is a very poor area um, and as to what playwork is right, Playwork is perhaps the only profession I think of people working with children where there is a flattening of the hierarchy so mm-hmm. um so the, the the adults, the adult playworker and the child are, are really exactly on the same level, and the playworker believes in the capability and competency of every child that is that. expressed through their playing. When they when children are playing, it's perhaps the time when they feel most alive, most free, um, most competent, um, yeah. and it's where they can take. They can take risks, they can make mistakes, they can find out, they can explore, uh, etc, etc. And so the job of a playworker is to support that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means creating the space where that can happen, but it also means pulling away and allowing them that space to make those mistakes, to try things out and to explore for themselves, whether that's socially, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of, of making and breaking friendships whether that's physically in terms of what can I do can I get up there can I fall down there, what will happen if I do um, emotionally how does it feel to be like this can I really? Can I be angry today because quite a lot of the time we suppress children's anger oh, yes. um, we don't give them a chance to explore it and deal with it and make it a creative force in their lives um, intellectually because I think uh, adventure playgrounds are places where children—they're they're almost like natural research laboratories. There, yeah. where the child becomes a scientist. And so, you know, I, I watched some of your children yesterday on this. The, well, we we'll call it a sandpit. I call it a sand dome, and the hoses in there, and the absolute absorption and immersion of these kids in working out what's happening—it's almost like they're natural physicists, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, it's uh, it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. So playworkers spend a lot of time creating spaces, resourcing spaces, and then watching and learning and supporting children to be free.
2: Yeah,
0: I love that. I think that to me, coming from the speech pathology lens, we see play as equally as important to building a child's overall development. Mm-hmm. But you're right, and sometimes it's much more structured for us. And mm-hmm. sometimes we jump in and like, oh, maybe we should play more like this. And I love that from the playwork point of view all play is, you know kind of equally important and mm-hmm. for parents and for other adults sometimes that's really hard to yes. let kids explore that it's hard to let them take risks it's hard to let them explore all those emotions um I know that you have a book that discusses reflective yes. play work. can you speak a little bit about what that kind of means and what that reflection okay of- I think a that's lot of people
1: it. when they when you talk about reflective practice and I and I ask a lot of people this, I say, What does that mean? And people often, <laughs> the first thing they come back and say is, Well it's about looking back and seeing how something went. Yes. And whether we can do it better next time. And I say, Hmm, that's evaluation. Yeah. That's different, you know. It's a, evaluation is a part of reflection, but it's just a small part. So the reflective bit is it actually does what it says on the team. If you think of something that reflects what reflects an object that reflects it is a mirror back at you. yeah it's a mirror and so actually what we do is we're taking the mirror because when children are playing it has all sorts of impact on us um Whoever we are, we mm-hmm. all have our triggers. Just yeah. like you know, you, and, and we all have them. The playworkers have them as well. We're not just all sort of hippie fied liberal, you know, <laughs> like a fire pit. <laughs> yeah, yes. old,
0: you know, you're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't, but that's yeah. your
1: own personal. That's right, and exactly. so so the idea of reflective practice is that it also turns turns the light on ourselves to say, why am I fe- Why is it that that kid winds me up? You know, yeah. why is it that I'm anxious when I see children doing that? Um, why is it that I find myself really wanting to do this and not wanting to do that you know? mm-hmm. why is it that I just said that or why is it that I didn't do that You know. Mm-hmm. so it turns the spotlight on us really because um, as we understand that, because adults quite often unintentionally mm-hmm. are the biggest uh, barrier to children's free play mm-hmm. because we involve ourselves or we, we think we know better and actually Play
0: is the one area where children are the experts. Yeah, that's their expert. That's their work. I know you touched on emotions. It's so hard for initially parents and teachers and therapists. They see kids on the playground getting into even just a small argument about who goes first. And instinctually they want to jump in and fix it. But that's such a natural way for them to learn problem-solving abilities and to work out that social give and take, and how can we still work through this and be friends, and sometimes jumping in too fast and knowing when to jump in, it hinders them developing those situations later when maybe an adult isn't around, so instead of working through it, they just run away and look for an adult, and play, and on the playground is a perfect place for them to practice that. It is, and you you see it. Because it is a totally different way of looking at play and playgrounds. And um, your playground. Yeah. Uh, ours is on a private school campus, so it's not open to the public very often. Is yours more open to the public?
1: Ours is open every day um, and after school. Mm-hmm. Um, it's open on every, all day on a Saturday. It's open every day in school holidays. We also have school groups that come and visit us during the daytime, Fantastic. in school term time, and pupil referral groups and uh, stuff. Um, and we are—we're a charity. Uh, that's that's the same as a not-for-profit. Here. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's okay. So we're a charity. So we manage the whole thing. Oh um, wow. So we don't own the land; we lease it from the local authority, uh, and it's fenced off.
0: Because um, it's located
1: within a public park. That's, yes, that's right. Um, and it, we, we are. Although we lease the land, they've kind of given us permission to do more or less what we like Which... it.
0: You is, need to for yeah, an adventure playground. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. And do the parents come join when it's after school, or is it? We m- have we
1: have um, a kind of a sort of ruling that if yes. well we, there is a, a rule that says if you're under seven, so naught to sixes, uh, need to have a carer or yes. a parent that comes with them. Um, if you're seven and over, then parents can give permission, written permission, for them to come alone. And many do, yeah. Um, but some parents of older children still want to come as well, uh, and quite a lot of parents actually volunteer their time and services, they help us maintain structures, they help cooking with cooking, they help on play schemes and holidays, they help, out, they help raise money because we're always trying to raise money, <laughs> and, um, and, and quite a lot of the parents... Um, have also learned about how play can be important in their own yeah, lives.
0: That's what I was going to say. You have the benefit of having the parents there watching it. Have you had many stories or feedback of how parents shifted their
2: All idea the of play
0: or All of their the own child?
1: All the time. I mean, just as you come into the gate of our playground, right. there's kind of a, a structure that's mm, probably as high as the ceiling in this mm-hmm. room. So not too high, although, mm, yeah. Well. It's high for a playground, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, so but this particular structure the children like to jump off it onto crash mats and when, when they're younger they kind of just jump off you know and sometimes you can see children just standing there waiting and then oh no I can't do it yet you know and then they, the other kids it's okay but as they get older and they get bigger then of course the, the risks need to get bigger mm-hmm. so kids somersault off it and, and stuff you know and when parents first see that some of them freak out mm-hmm. and they think isn't that terribly dangerous and we say well actually do you know in 10 years we've never had an accident never and that, that's the first thing that surprises them because mm-hmm. they think it's, it's almost a, you know, a given that it will be yeah. um, and, and so we talk about we, we actually ask them to watch just watch the other children jumping and see what they can see the children are getting out of it and how much they're enjoying it, and how much they—I are have to say—learning from it as well, because, because children yeah. do learn. That's not mm-hmm. why they play, but they do learn from their playing. Um, and sometimes we'll stand there and we'll have a word with parents, because you get some parents who go the other way and start saying, "Come on, jump off! Um, don't be a wuss!" You know. And we're going, "No, no, no, no! You don't do that. It's their decision. It's mm-hmm. the child's decision. If they're not ready. Don't push them." You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get the other parent who stands there saying oh were you (laughs) alright like this and we say no 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 come away leave them be because otherwise you're projecting your own you're projecting your fear onto them and then the child becomes less competent Mm -hmm. and more likely to hurt themselves so in fact we have sometimes banned parents from certain bits because we discovered that actually it was the parents fear if you like that was kind of influencing the children mm-hmm. and they, they were ending up having out accidents and as soon as we moved the parents it all stopped
0: yeah that's amazing mm.
1: so we do we do interfere a lot more as adults than we think we do <laughs> yes. and often for what seems like really good reasons mm-hmm. but they're not
2: yeah, yeah.
1: it's just a, a whole shift in it is a whole mental it. shift it's a whole new mind shift and it's quite quite hard one of the ways for people to understand it I think or to get get into it is to always remember back when they played as mm-hmm. a child and and, and that's where we always start, we say well okay try and remember where you were and what you did and how you felt and who you were with and what you were doing, if you were doing anything at all and how you felt particularly and then people suddenly you suddenly see the grins coming <laughs> yes. in and people start and, and then you say okay so what was common about like, all these experiences you know? and they all say Freedom, yeah. yeah it's freedom.
0: It is because you hear so many people talking about oh well when I was a kid we you know just went in the backyard and built this or like mm. personally I grew up with cousins on a farm and we'd go like jump off of hail bales in the yeah. barn and it was freedom to explore the yeah. farm and do whatever and have that yeah exploration that we could build and manipulate and play mm. and roam mm. and our own without anybody interfering.
1: Oh, we, we do have, I think Playwork's been going for quite a long time. Um, yeah. But um, a lot of the research that has been done in the last, oh, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years that back up that, that approach, mm-hmm. a lot of the research about children's freedom to play is really, really interesting. And, and there, are, there is research coming forward that shows that actually the more that we... Are you familiar with the term helicopter parents? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, or hovering we call Mm -hmm. them hovering hoverers whatever Um, the more of that that happens actually the more delayed a child's development is Mm -hmm. because actually they don't get the chances to be doing stuff for themselves to to be becoming independent people yeah and And it's as simple
0: as tying your own shoe or keeping washing your own hair and yeah playing on the playground climbing up really high going really fast on your bike yeah these are all important lessons. They're all, yeah, they're all sort
1: of normal. They should be normal yes. experiences, but suddenly they've got less and less because we've become too protective.
0: I know you touched on a little bit um, about learning from the play, mm-hmm. and it seems like every toy or every educational experience now has to be learning. Mm-hmm. Like, it's marketed like, you must use this toy because it's going to teach you phonetics so that you can read. You have to use this toy because that's what will teach you the fine motors mm-hmm. so that you could do this. Can you touch a little bit on one, play being great for play experience and two, how you can still develop those skills through free play at all? Okay. Um, this
1: might sound extreme... <laughs> I don't know. Tell me. Tell me. I'm mm-hmm. going too far. But I'm a bit cynical about toys. Yes. No, I agree. Um, I think... The toy industry actually doesn't really care about children. They like making profits. That sounds a rather revolutionary thing to say, perhaps.
0: No, especially all of these think, electronic toys. Like, yeah.
1: And I think they're of the annoying and of the it kinda takes they away some true. of their creativity. Yeah, um, and it does, absolutely it does. And also I think uh, I don't know, do you, you have advertising for children's toys and merchandise here? Oh, yes, yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, you must do, yes, of course you do. Um, but it actually only became legal in the UK about 30 years ago. Okay. Um, and and that we suddenly saw things start to change, because when you advertise directly to children, mm-hmm. then children get convinced they want that thing, they need that thing. And very often when they've got it, um, and they want it because their friends have got it or whatever, it's not what they thought it would be mm-hmm. um, it Has a short life. It has um, a short life, yeah. and yet often they cost a lot of money, mm-hmm. um, and so parents are struggling to buy the things they think their children really want and need,
0: and because yes. the, the industry will tell them they need it. I don't think they necessarily do no. need and it. People joke after holidays and birthdays that their kids wanted to play with the box more than these yes. things, and it's, yeah. it's true, it's universally
1: it true of children. It is. You can do far more um, with things that don't have a self-built-in purpose, you know, which some of these toys have. You can do far more, you know, if you. Uh, the trouble is, children won't sort of say, actually, okay, can you give me a bucket, a piece of rope, uh, a tarpaulin, uh, and uh, and some balls to play with. <laughs> okay, they won't. They, <laughs> they won't do that. But actually, if all of those sorts of things are available, they'll come up with. Uh, Infinity of yes. variety of mm-hmm. possible games with all of those things, most of which cost very little or nothing or got recycled in the first place, and mm-hmm. um, that's the beauty, I think, of saying let's let's dispense with toys. You know, you know I'm not going to say all toys are rubbish yeah. because they're not. Um, but I mean, a bike, I think, is wonderful.
0: Yeah, I
1: it's think great. it's yeah, absolutely having bikes and stuff. Skip all but things. an awful yeah. But a lot of Blocks. stuff is not is not needed. Is not necessary. And actually, having stuff, natural stuff, and reused stuff that children can just do it they like—it's amazing watching them, watching mm-hmm. them work it out, sort it out, make sense of it, have
0: fun with it. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's powerful. it is. And as you mentioned, they are little scientists out there. Mm-hmm. The best way to learn about physics is to go out and throw Try things that. and build things and make catapults and seesaws yes. and. Like live it, the whole body experience, and try and fail, and try again.
1: In in Jill's playground, here there is a, a wonderful big.
2: Is it water pipe? The enormous, the black. Oh yeah, it's it's a culvert. It's just a big black mm-hmm. plastic yes. culvert.
1: Yeah, from from
2: a culvert, and it's uh, probably like five feet diameter.
1: Right. Right? Yeah. Um, but watching some of these older older children play with that yesterday. Moving it around the site, getting in it, walking walking inside <laughs> it and making it move around so that they go upside down and backwards and all the rest of it. Then trying to climb on it, then trying to make it and go certain directions and then finding they can't do that and it's got this. It's just, just that on its own. And yet who would have thought that a piece of culvert pipe would be so fascinating? And yet they spend nearly an hour and a half yeah. just sure. in this pipe. Yeah. Like,
2: six times a month they do that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it never gets old yeah. Yeah. it has this long extended life yeah. children yeah. just want to understand the world mm-hmm. and they do that through <laughs> <buy> stuff <laughs> do stuff
1: through <Yeah. laughs> yes. the stuff to play yeah. and it is it was uh, absolutely lovely to just sit and watch these children yesterday do nothing yeah, yeah. and they don't need I mean, it's lovely because I could also see that the staff that are here have got really good relationships with these children, but they don't force that on them, but they're there for them if they're needed, and then the children sometimes involve you, Mm -hmm. they'll come and ask you stuff, but it's a different relationship than a teacher, because ultimately they know that they can kind of do almost whatever they like because that permission is there, mm-hmm. um, and that safety is there for them. They've been emotionally safe to do that. They haven't got to keep coming in and saying, "Oh, right, if I do that, mm-hmm. they know they can just try, and, and the, the staff will be there to support them.
0: They have. We have very um, to say. very intuitive and very thoughtful yeah. playwork staff here. I've, they come and support our kids during even just recess time, yeah. sometimes during the week and it's been amazing to watch them just move a bucket and place something else closer to a specific child, yes. and then that child that had been having difficulty joining a different play yes. suddenly was part of the play around yes. the bucket. Yes. And that was out without even words and direction and you know stopping the child and saying, hey, come play with this, or going up to the other kids and saying, yes. like, stop not playing with this child, maybe yes. you should play that game. It was just... The lightest touch. It is. That's and what that's you guys exactly, use, yeah, right? The it lightest yes, touch.
1: The lightest it but, it, but you're right to use the word intuitive. Um, because actually, to have that kind of intuition comes with practice, with reflection. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's quite it's hard. Deep. It's got real depth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In order to, to actually kind of see the world through that child's eyes and therefore get an appreciation of what it is they're trying to do, what it is they want, what they need to do that. And then being able to just use a song or something. It, it was so happen. smooth, and
0: yeah. watching from the outside as an adult, I could see where they were going, but the kids were so wrapped up in their yeah. own play that they were just like, oh, a bucket, yes. I'll go there, and it was just exactly what that child needed to join into that group play and have that confidence, and then to start building without the adults forcing like that social interaction naturally yeah. on their own. Yeah. It was, quite Brilliant to watch. Yeah, it
2: was it's really
0: great. You see that. Yeah. It's, it was... it's really quite a different way of looking at it. Um, I noticed that you got at your Adventure Playground, you yes. guys ha- work with another charity and another organization to bring in people with different abilities and yeah. learning differences and other things. Can yeah. you speak about how that play might change? I know that some parents might feel like, oh, well, my child has motor difficulties mm-hmm. or they have these challenges this might be too much for them but you guys bring it in and make it accessible uh, yes I mean we,
1: we originally started off um, by having a partnership with their uh, called solo this other organization who works specifically with disabled kids with a whole range of different impairments mm-hmm. and, and things um, of all ages and so initially those children started coming with one-to-one key workers etc and um, but very often, those children end up coming alone, on their own, because once they find oh, their feet, and the other kids, because the other the other regular kids are just so used to kids of all kinds being about that it's just not it's not an issue yes. at all, and so they end up making friends with other kids. And, and I was telling the story yesterday of uh, there's there's a well, he's a young man now he's he's almost nineteen, and he first started coming to us when he was about eight or nine. And uh, he was autistic. He had very challenging behaviour. Had no... Found it very, very difficult to relate mm-hmm. to, to other kids, etc. Um, but periodically, this is now ten years later, he pops in. <laughs> when he pops in, he, uh, he comes in, he goes, hi, to the people on the desk. And then he walks down to the big legging swing at the other end of the playground, which is really high. And for some reason... His particular competency was always he got the reputation of being able to go the highest that any has ever got. Oh, wow. He almost looped the loop. Oh. Alright? And he, but he just knew that bit where not to go any higher, you know. Um and so he comes in, although he's nineteen, he comes in, he goes down there, and as he goes down there, it's almost like the way parts, all the kids get off, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's Jack, it's Jack, it's Jack. No, no. <laughs> and Jack gets in and he doesn't talk to anybody he he, he just gets on and he almost loops the loop and then he gets off and then he smiles at all the kids and says you do it one day and then he he leaves and as he's leaving he says had my fix and he's gone you know so yeah he's uh, we actually have a lot of autistic children who have been excluded from school Mm. locally so we actually have and are being homeschooled mm-hmm. by, by their parents who sometimes are at with them. So we have quite a lot of them coming in mm-hmm. in the daytime as well. Um, and we actually find that particularly for children with ADHD or mm-hmm. with autism, that actually the adventure playground is almost like the perfect place for them because yeah. there's no structure. They're not being forced into anything and that's where they kind of find their own modus mm-hmm. operandi. Um, and they actually start to get on with each other and talk to each other. In a way that sometimes the school setup just never suited them; it was yeah. too structured for them. Um, so yeah, it, it kind of works. And so we have new children coming all the time via solo, and young people as well. No, they bring down young people one night a week,
2: and it just blossoms from there. Yeah, you know. I love hearing about how how much a part of the community your playground is. Mm-hmm when um, when you talk about, you know, homeschool families, school groups, it, it just seems like it's the centre of of life for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, yeah it's it's interesting. It was it, it's their phrase actually not ours. They actually call it a community hub. Oh.
2: Um,
1: and originally we started as a playground, you know, just for children, six to thirteen. That was what we started as, children six to thirteen. It's now Naught to the grain, you know, and and but that's kind of happened. It's evolved almost of its own accord, and I think part of the the reason for that was that we were funded by the local authority, and then the local authority pulled all its funding out. But by that time, uh, a lot of people had, a lot of the local Mm -hmm. families had already appreciated the value of what went on there for their children, and they just rose up and said, "It's not going." we will do what we can and we had this mad summer where there were parents out in the uh, on the car park selling second hand clothes bake, cake sales um we were, they ran quiz nights they ran discos they had head shaves sponsored events, <laughs> you name it um and that you know we'll just come and work here it has to stay open mm-hmm. and i think that's I, would, I don't think I would ever have thought that actually pulling money out of something would have been so valuable, That <laughs> mm. yeah. actually it was, because what it meant was that the community kind of took ownership of it yeah. um, mm-hmm. at that point, and, that, and uh,
0: it's kind of flourished since then. And how amazing for the community to recognise the importance and need of play and that mm. space for their kids. Mm. That's really quite wonderful. Yeah.
2: Well I think there's a big
0: there's a big need for it. There's yeah, a big yes. need for in big cities and smaller cities and rural areas to mm-hmm. have a place for community hub. I think that more and more educators and parents and community organizers are realizing just how important play and free play is mm-hmm. and hopefully the pendulum is swinging back from sterilizing every single playground to the point where they're not very fun to, you know, allowing for some of that, like, risk and openness and community revolving around playgrounds and play groups and places for kids to just be them. Yeah, absolutely. And they will show us.
1: children. I mean, the children are the next generation, and uh, you know, as we, we give them that freedom, you know, I find myself learning from them rather than the other way around, and, uh, and actually, the way the world is going, we need um, the next generation to be as innovative mm-hmm. as possible and, and as imaginative as possible to deal with the very tough solutions that the world is going to have to get, you know, uh, in a whole variety of areas. And I think it's actually giving, having that freedom of playing throughout one's child that actually stimulates that kind of approach mm-hmm. that will come up with some of those kind of solutions. Whereas if we kind of school, and I don't mean that in the yeah. sense of an education thing, but if we kind of school children into basically being what's gone before, mm-hmm. we will find that
0: we're, we're stuck, mm-hmm. actually, we're stuck. So, as we've mentioned, there aren't many opportunities for adventure playgrounds here in the US, or even just around Texas, and the one in Houston in, that we love isn't always open to the public. Yeah. So for other people who don't have access to that, do you have any tips for them to al- how they can kind of al- set up a more open space in their own homes or backyards that might make it not quite as huge of a thing as an adventure playground, but provide yeah. their own child with a little more of that openness? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I think for all parents to actually um, take a little bit more of a backseat in, in, in watching their children play. And making sure that they're inviting their children's friends around yeah. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Maybe starting with things like... Uh a few parents that can almost like a rota to go to the local park or something so mm-hmm. that actually like, groups of children can go and feel quite safe etc yeah. and it doesn't always have to just be you the parent with your children because we all know that parents' time is limited yes. so actually trying to actually work stuff out with other parents mm-hmm. and networking and, yeah, so, yeah, and, and to do stuff like that and finding the places in your neighbourhood that are of interest to children mm-hmm. um, that are playful spaces it doesn't necessarily have to be the traditional park with the swings and the roundabouts or whatever, although I haven't seen any of those, I have to say. But actually those are quite boring for children, really, (laughs) aren't they? Um, So finding the other places in the neighbourhood and the more wild places around that exist and and letting children explore those. You know, if children have bikes, going out on the bikes, but going out with adults on bikes as well to have some Mm -hmm. bike rides, Um, there's a really good book actually written by an American called Mike Lanza Mm -hmm. called Oh, it's really worth a read because what he does is he he decided that he wanted to be one of these parents that actually gave his own children free range playing Um, and so what he did in his own neighbourhood but then he's also looked at loads of other neighbourhoods across the states where that has happened and they're all different and different kinds of ideas you know people who who've taken the fences down in their backyards mm-hmm. so that actually the children have free reign across. You know, mm-hmm. All sorts of weird and wonderful ideas that won't work everywhere, but finding what works where you are, it's a really good book, it's worth a read, for all parents who want to, to make a difference. Because
0: I think that innately people want that connection with their neighbours and their neighbourhood, it's just finding the time and the place, and like you said, what we, works for your own particular. There is a
1: movement in the UK, um, which
2: I think he's taking up here a bit, called play wish. I wish that is that's my greatest wish. Okay. So, in addition to to Adventure Play here, I have this group called by City Play, and which is fantastic. I, I would that is where I would like to take it, okay. where we could do street closures. Okay. And and to do we yeah. could help people make that happen because. There are so many children in my neighborhood, and I have a five-year-old, and she has a ton of friends in the neighborhood. But we all sort of get locked into our own world and our mm-hmm. own lives. Yes. And But if a street was closed and we knew we could yes. meet our neighbors there, yes. we would be there. We would be there every time. It's a, a,
1: it She would make us go. <laughs> yes, it's <laughs> wonderful. It's wonderful, yeah. and it's happened quite a lot in different cities across mm-hmm. the UK. Um and, and what it does here. is it builds community yes. yeah. because originally it starts as a, just a place for children to play let's close the street but in the end even the people without children come out and yes. start sitting and watching and then taking part and and then you get some dads who come and start yes. start games often and things like that and it's a it's a wonderful community play actually builds communities not it just does. for children
0: <laughs> oh i often yeah. encourage adults to to play yeah. In their own ways so to relieve stress and reconnect yeah. their own yeah. child. Yeah.
1: So yeah, best of all that.
0: And it's not—it's <laughs> not actually too
1: difficult once you've got the over the kind of getting the license to close the street mm-hmm. and you've let everybody in the street know. People will come out because they're curious.
0: Yeah.
1: And they'll just—and the children will just go whoa—and <laughs> start to play. Yeah, and, I and have, have look, a own finger. You're, you're away.
0: Well, as we wrap this up, we've been asking everyone for one piece of advice that they would give to parents or educators that's just their go-to best piece of advice, and it can be anything that's, you know, really specific or really broad, like listen to your mother or, you know, go play or whatever you feel is your go-to that you'd like to impart on our listeners.
2: Yes? Um, to let your child be bored. That is really important. I think that as a parent, um, it's hard for <laughs> me. It's as hard as watching them take risks or, or have big emotions. But boredom is so important, and on our playground, boredom is is the beginning point. Like we know if a child is bored, something really great is about to come. kind <laughs> uh, of this, it? yeah. yeah where mm-hmm. children get so dependent on adults sorting that out for them
0: yes. they never
1: have to think what are we going to do yeah.
0: today, I'm bored, will you give me my iPad like, Yes.
1: <laughs> and that's the trouble I think with electronic games et cetera, because they're an easy fix yeah. and suddenly they're, they're an easy entertainment as opposed to having to think for yourself mm-hmm. and really those are the skills that we want to most incorporate into, but not that, being able to think for yourself mm-hmm. I, think, I love that one mm-hmm. I think my mine would be um, quite simply back off yeah. <laughs> um, actually just back off and watch children. Yeah. And and let them teach them, teach you how to
0: play. Yeah, which is also awesome. but it really important both of those things. Well it was really, really wonderful to talk to you. Thank I'm so you. glad that you agreed okay. to do this and I'm really excited for everyone to get introduced to adventure playgrounds and playwork and it's something very new and different for a lot of us, but I think that it's Going to resonate with a lot of people. Thank you for listening to the Unbabbled Podcast. For more information on today's episode, including links to Jill Wood's articles on adventure play, where to buy Allie Wood's book Reflective Playwork, and more information about Bayou City Play, please see our episode description. For more information on the Parish School, you can visit our website at www.parishschool.org. And if you're not already, don't forget to subscribe to the Unbabbled podcast on your app of choice. A special thank you to Stig Daniels, Katie McCarthy, and Amy Tanner for their hard work behind the scenes. Thanks again for listening.